Hold on a second. This is what just happened. Yeah. You just explained why it's bullshit. Brent confirmed, yes, that's right. Then you called out Brent and said, however, you would probably milk this. And Brent's like, yeah, it's true. And you're like, you know what? Never mind. It's censorship. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. We are somehow managing to get things started here against all odds. Thank you for listening today. Here with me are Michael Lockie. Hello, hello. And Brent Philbin. Hey, everybody. And a special apology to those that are listening to unedited audio because I didn't realize there was a construction convention going on next to my <laughs> hotel room. So <laughs> well, that's what happens when you go to a Super 8, Brent. Yeah, don't ever stay in a fucking the- Super 8. As the audience knows, Brent likes to travel a lot, so as usual, he likes to shoot the podcast from a different part of the world. This time, it just happened to be that he was next to a construction convention. Bad decision. Uh, Now, you are listening to our flagship episode. We're mostly going to cover cryptocurrency, news events, interesting nonsense, as Mike likes to call it, but why don't you do some podcast announcements first? Uh, Well, I... I, uh have I guess I will announce this one. I don't know, like this seems self-serving, but I was a speaker at a crypto conference last week and I was at uh it was the Florida Blockchain Conference in Gainesville, Florida, and it was super last minute. Like I just happened to be in Gainesville. I was able to email the uh organizer of the event and say, Hey listen, I have this podcast. I'm right. totally willing to come speak at this event. He listened to the podcast, made the determination that I was a technical person, which Apparently that's what we give off. <laughs> yeah, but it, you're it. you're a very technical person to me. I mean, it just depends <laughs> on who you're I just want to be clear though. This wouldn't be self-serving if you were sticking to the script. Now, when I read how this uh, sentence started, uh, it didn't seem like you were about to enter a self-serving. Well, it says we here. This is how it I, starts. I was Since there. the audience doesn't see it. Brent, yeah. Oh, by the way, Brent crashed and burned at a crypto conference. I, 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 <laughs> I was like, oh boy, out, you, I, you have to, I have to call you out. You just happened to be in Gainesville. You didn't just happen to be in Gainesville. You were in Fort Myers on Thursday night, and you drove up, and it was on Friday. <laughs> Damn, you did drive up there for the conference, crypto chubby. Don't try to play it. Like, all right. So, Mike's truths aside. Can you can you continue? What happened, Brent? Why'd I, I you... was terrible. Like I, I haven't seen video of this, but when I got off the stage, I was like, "Wow, I could not have fucked that up worse." Now, a couple things. I picked like kind of a bad topic because I I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, so I picked a bad topic. I'd never really made a PowerPoint presentation so that it would be in a group setting before. I thought it was going to be as easy as doing the podcast. It was not. So, you thought it was going to be as easy as like going on YouTube and looking at a TED Talk and just be like, oh, I can do that. Why not? Yeah, I, that's exactly what now, I, I do believe I can do that. I am going to get better at that. So here's the offer I'm going to make to all you that are listening. If you want me to come crash and burn at your conference, I'm willing to try and fail a bunch more times. So reach out to us, Crypto Basic Podcast at gmail.com, and I'll come talk at your crypto conference as long as it's not scamming ICOs. All right. Well... If you want to see Brent crash and burn, or possibly surprise you with a dazzling experience, you know uh, where to reach. The region. worst part, I, okay, the worst part is I had to follow uh, this guy Aaron Feikert, who is a developer for Monero. This is a small conference. I didn't think I was going to be in here with these like really important people, and he was one ridiculously engaging, 
And two, he talked about Monero and Zcash, which were both originally part of my presentation, and I had to take them out. Because I didn't want to follow that guy and talk about those. You see, Mike, what had happened, Mike, was that he was wearing the wrong shoes. Mm. It wasn't the right shoes for the right race. Yeah, so. if if I had, uh, you know, if I did, whatever. So, bring me on for your <laughs> blockchain conference. Don't make me follow anybody important. I want to follow, like, the guy that tries to make an argument against crypto. I can be, I can be like, a good act to follow there. If you go back and listen to our Dash episode, that was our very first time we sat down and recorded it. I felt the same way. I was like, oh, my God, we can't be podcasters. This is, this is not going to be good. But then even like once – I don't even remember which one of you edited that episode. Then the magic of editing happened and it's like, ooh. Ba- it maybe. still sucks. It still sucks. Like, though, like compared to what we have now, it was terrible. But like it was – that recording process was painful. There were so many ums and what's and likes and ahs and, and just like awkward silences. But here we are. Uh, Brent, keep crashing and burning. I'm sure you'll be uh, a pro in no time. All right. That is going to take us to some crypto news, which I think is what the people are here for as well. Brent, why don't you tell us a little bit about one of your favorite companies, Coinbase. Coinbase, yes. Coinbase is my favorite company that I'm banned from. And I t- it's probably the only place that I'm banned from that I talk good of. So here, here we are. Coinbase had a couple things in the news this week. Uh, first of all, they have an $8 billion valuation. They have raised another $300 million in funding at that valuation. That was their Series E, I think. A very high letter. Um, and the funding round was... Uh, was it ended up having some very cool companies that you've heard of in invest and I'm going to list these off see if you've recognized any of these uh the, or actually I'll just read a quote the funding round which coinbase president and coo asif riji said gave the company a valuation of more than 8 billion dollars also featured participation from y combinator community or continuity wellington management and dreesen horowitz and polychain capital there's some, some big, big, big hitters in space. Uh, the, the one funny thing that we, we discussed was they said in the article and in their news release that they raised this money for opportunistic reasons. That's the actual quote. And that is normally reserved for kind of like, I don't know, like you're like, oh, they're being opportunists or whatever. It's like a bad connotation, but I guess they worked it into a positive because it's Coinbase. And... Um, they specifically only want people to, to invest in them that are pro cryptocurrency. They don't just want like people who don't quite understand it, but just want to invest in, uh, in a profitable company. So that's their, it's kind of the extent of that. Any, any comments on, uh, Coinbase's? <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, <laughs> uh, the construction people have a word. So two. one of the, one of the quotes, um, our crypto convos guest Pete Walsworth uh, talks to me about a lot is like when he's looking at projects to invest in or while he's doing his research, one of the things he said to me is that he makes it a big priority that he wants to invest in the nuts and bolts of the space. He wants to invest in the things that are going to bring the mass adoption, the things that are going to be necessary, the parts, the pieces of whatever that means. Something that everybody keeps talking about is the, the, this magical institutional money coming in. You know what institutional money is going to do? Be institutional. 
This makes way more sense than like why why would they just go buy Bitcoin when they could just go build a Bitcoin house and just make it all just free roll it and sell it and you know play the margins. This just seems like way more likely of how it's going to get involved in this space over time. And with that, Brent, I want to move on to you quickly before your convention resumes. Tell us a little bit about Tether. No, I, I missed the point of Coinbase. I know we got kind of oh, distracted oh, there. Tell by us the, about the last point that thing. you missed. Uh, basic attention token got listed on Coinbase this week. So that happened pretty quickly after our last podcast, uh, or our last uh, Friday flagship. But it was important. We did a recent 101 on basic attention token. We talked about it. The reason I want to talk about this is two things. One, it opens up the possibility for tons more coins to be coming onto Coinbase anytime soon. Uh, but two, more importantly, is... We always talk about how Ripple is never going to be put on Coinbase, right? We always say, like, that it's centralized. They're not going to do it. There's going to be a clear signal as to when they're going to start doing that, and it is not now. Well, basic attention token is relatively centralized. I mean, they – you as a content creator, if you want to get your bonus for the basic attention token, you need to use Uphold's wallet in order to do so. So – I think this is the signal that people have been looking for. Like, you know, I don't want to say good things about Ripple and stuff, but this actually to me means that we will see Ripple on Coinbase sooner than later now. Uh, We'll see a lot of coins on Coinbase sooner than later, and they have kind of tossed out their specific requirement to decentralization. Brent, if I recall correctly, didn't you address this issue when Luke was on the show? Yes. So we talked, uh, I talked to Luke about Uphold because Uphold is this uh, head scratchingly awful part of basic attention token. So Luke was talking about the fact that they had to partner with Uphold because they needed a fiat on-ramp and Uphold was willing to work with them. He did express some of their frustration with a couple of things that they couldn't control from Uphold, like the the fees for having the money sit there, but that they were able to kind of ask them, please change this, change some things. We need to like present the better face to the community. And Uphold did it. So he told me that they have... Uh, in the works, uh, ways to expand the groups that are taking the coin. So I imagine at the time he knew about the Coinbase. And I'm hoping that Coinbase becomes the, replaces Uphold at least, because we can trust Coinbase to an extent. But really, it would be nice if there's an option. You don't have to hold your stuff on Uphold. You just put your Ethereum address out there, and that's where it gets, that's where it gets put. But for now, when we get our 2 or $3 every month, it's going to our Uphold account. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question on that topic because um, similar to Kareem, I've also started using the Brave browser recently. Um, it said I was given a 25 bat grant. I was assuming that was the the initial feature for the install. Yeah. It also says it expires in two months. And I was trying to allocate the 25 bat or find, I was trying to find a way to connect it to, you know, websites and offer it. I was, I was missing something along the way. I, don't, I wasn't sure. It's automatically it, doing that. So, well, so uh, the default behavior is that it automatically allocates 25 bat per month. And you're supposed to fund your account with more bat if you don't have enough to distribute it so that you can continue to like, to give the people that you're paying attention to the basic attention token. Um, and then inside you can choose in your settings who you're going to give it to and who you're not going to give it to. I actually look at that constantly. I go in there. Anybody who's not verified with Brave, I do not uh, allow them to get my Brave. 
um, because then it's just sitting there in an account doing nothing. And also any any company that I think is kind of shady, for instance, Coin Market Cap, I don't let them get any of my very brave attention. Uh, that kind of thing. So you can go into your settings and you can change that. All right. So Brent, tell us about this tether story. I heard everything's good now. It's totally fine. No, this broke like the morning of the flagship, but before, like we recorded it the night before, so we weren't able to catch this last week. This is pretty old news, but I just wanted to mention it. Tether got a new banking partner, Dell Tech Bank. Uh, Dell Tech Bank posted a letter that was like two sentences long and said, we totally have $1.8 billion from Tether in sitting in our bank account. And it, and then they signed it. A couple things here. One. <laughs> was it signed Nigerian scammers? You know what? Barely. It, it would have been better if it was signed by Nigerian scammer or something. <laughs> it was signed by a little circular line. It was signed by like the fake signature that you do when you're sick of having to put your signature on for like the fourth time in a day on your card. It's like whatever the opposite of like the, the really meticulous, exactly the same signature every time that Donald Trump does was this. It was just like a lazy as fuck squiggle. And that's it. It's out. And, yeah, but uh, it's a signature, Brent. Yeah, it's but it was it was funny in the context. I laughed at the signature. Uh, to me, it was funny and really th- wow. So this- okay, I gotta stop you real quick. When we talked about this on Tuesday, I did not pull the letter up. <laughs> this squiggle is unbearable. Yeah. Whoa, it's not. They didn't even make an effort. It legitimately looks more like uh, my daughter scribbled on it by accident and like didn't know that wasn't something she could write on. That does not even resemble a signature other than other than it has like a northeastern movement at some point is the only thing that resembles a signature to me. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, okay. Resume. So as funny as it is, I'm totally making fun of the signature. I realize that has nothing to do with anything, but it is funny. Um, also, what does have something to do with something is that uh, <laughs> if you Google Deltec Bank, it will autocomplete. First, it'll do uh, the CEO, I think. Then it'll do Deltec Bank, something else. But now that no, it was involved, it was Deltec Blank, just the bank blank. And then it was Bank CEO. And then it was what? I think we lost Mike there. He's oh, frozen. Mike's frozen. Okay, so I I will continue. Del it goes Deltec Bank and Trust, which is the full name of their company. Deltec Bank CEO. The third Google suggestion is Deltec Bank money laundering. So, uh, you know what? I'm not saying that Tether picked it for specific reasons, but Tether did lose their ability to have a different banking partner. And then suddenly we came up with this and we came up with a letter that said, the money is there. Check. Did you cover where this bank is based? You said uh, it was Bahamas, yes, right? Yes, it's Bohemian, which is where all like the cruise ships are registered. So, I feel like there's some sort of financial reason Benefit. for that like maybe lax laws maybe you can get away with some in things. the caribbean no yeah i'm gonna drink this real quick jeez chugging a two liter so mike i have a question for you since tether can make money out of nowhere is your data worth 25 dollars? that depends and uh, interestingly enough, I plan on presenting this question to Brent because I'm very interested in his opinion on the subject. So uh, I got an email this morning that said a blockchain.com is um, taking a sign up list for their wallet that's coming. And in order in order for your sign up, they're going to offer you twenty five dollars worth of Stellar Lumens as part of that transaction. 
So I te- I messaged Brent about this. I was like, this seems a little odd. And he's, it was obviously like, I, it was like eight in the morning. So he's like somehow not functioning. I, I couldn't believe he responded. <laughs> and I, just I like was wrote like scam or something. I was like, don't do it. And uh, I, I was on the probably the lightest sleep I've been on in a few months. Uh, but I decided to do a little research into this and see what it was. And it appears to be fully legit. And the trade off is that they're essentially buying you as a lead, a crypto lead. And they think that they can monetize these crypto leads. And in exchange for that $25 worth of Stellar Lumens, you have to do the full know your customer procedure. And that's going to be a roadblock for a lot of people that are not going to be interested in this. But this begs the question, what is your basic information worth? I don't know, probably 25 Look, if it's legit and they're just giving you $25 to like tell them who you are, I'll do it. Like, I'm not going to use their wallet, but I'll take the money. <laughs> I'm a really bad target for a lead because I just, yeah, I'll take the money. and Right. But, I mean, to be fair, they understand that, right? They, If they're buying leads, this is part of how they're doing it. And they partnered with the Stellar Lumens Foundation. And this donation or all the Stellar Lumens probably came partially from there. You know, who knows what exactly happened behind the scenes. But this was something that they decided was a way to push mass adoption. And, you know, this ends up being $1.25 million worth, I believe. So it's... Damn. It's a lot of it's a, it's a lot of people that can sign up and get this. It's I don't know. I, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, if all they're doing is getting your information and giving you twenty five dollars, then you can make that determination. Uh, I've made it right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it, and because I, I like Stellar, I want some Stellar. I like twenty five dollars. At the end of the day, at least, um, it's it's good that people are becoming more and more aware that their information is worth something. So it's better to just be offered for that information up front rather than. You know, what we had before was people have the illusion of stuff being free, not realizing that they're giving up, you know, data and stuff and that it's valuable. I would much rather get involved in this than fucking initiative queue. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that's a no brainer. Um, I stumbled upon this article when I was browsing around looking for things and I and the, the website it ended up coming from was CaptainAltcoin.com. And I did <laughs> some browsing around on there and actually was pretty impressed, man. Like even this article it's a crypto website basically says selling your personal data for 25 XLM is not worth it is actually what the title is. So it's taking a very positive stance. I don't know if that's going to credit this particular author or the website more, but this was my first introduction to both. And I was impressed with how the article was written. It was presented in a way that uh, crypto basic would be behind. All right. Well, I will say this though, like let's say for example, that we consider services value. Google has a bunch of my information. I feel like I get more than $25. You know what? That's true. We do get a lot more than $25 worth of value out of Google. Way more. Way more. I get maps. I get, you know, I mean, the search results, I won't credit Google as much, but like, let's say email, Google photos, uh, directions, assistant, uh, whatever, all this stuff that Google gets because of it. It's way, it's definitely worth more than a one-time $25 fee. So, But they're also not getting a one-time look at your data. They are getting... Yeah, total constant observation, right? And this is optional, right? This is an opt-in clause. Like if if you feel like participating, here's an option for you. And I I see this model coming up more and more. I think this is exactly what Voyager is doing as well. I Brent, I had mentioned to you, hey, let's look into this Voyager thing because I think it actually has a similar model. And their model uses Bitcoin instead of Stellar. So I have not researched either of these companies and I don't want to say they're legit at all. But if this process starts becoming more and more common, I think 
part of being an early adopter is, hey, like this is kind of like an airdrop, right? This is like if you participate in this program and you give us this know your customer data, we're happy to pay you for it. And if you end up storing your crypto assets here, that's great. And I think they're also going to be providing trading platforms as well. And obviously, the goal is to get your money in a place that you can mess around and, and they can make fees on it at some point along the way. Why not give the customer the best experience? Yeah, no, I appreciate that they're. I appreciate that they're trying. Like I said, I'll probably, I will probably go sell out because we we'd be broke anyway. All right, actually, all right. If there ends up being a sellout section on the podcast, Real Big Fish does a really cool sellout song that is very jazzy and fun. You guys will like it. If we can find a way to make that into a drop, cool things will happen. I promise. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's a good positive energy. So I guess that's going to be time to move for some games. I see some bullish or bullshit is coming up on the show. Yeah, we're, let's do some bullish or bullshit. I am down. All right. You ready for this one? All right, boys. <laughs> I, don't, I don't read ahead. So. Don't read ahead. You know the rules. No, I'm blocking the screen. Everyone knows the rules. Bullish or bullshit. Apple shuts down the most popular crypto podcast without warning after it shot up in popularity and was ranked number four in U.S. investing category. I'm going to say bullshit. And the reason why, and I, and I think this is an easy target for a bullish or bullshit because I know Apple Podcasts is extremely centralized. I think the the number of items that would need to be aligned for this to be accurate, it seems pretty like, I don't know, it, it seems like it would need to be personal. It's, there's a lot of things, there's a lot more to this story, but I, I'm leaning that uh, they didn't do this intentionally. Yeah, basically, that would be my call for the same reasons. It's probably bullshit in the sense that it did happen and happened probably automatically and people are freaking out about censorship when, you know, it's not even about that. I mean, unless, unless like, they gave a reason, unless he's banned. but if it's a temporary ban, then it's meaningless. Well, you are both correct. You're correct that it's bullshit. Your reasons are both wrong. They were well thought out. But the easy low-hanging fruit reason is our podcast was never taken down. So this is clearly bullshit. (laughs) If it was down, how would you know? Oh, we would have heard about it because we're the most popular crypto podcast and people would have told us your show is down. So Yeah, but they know how you're flawed right, Brent, we are. No, Brent, you're right. That This was our fault. It was an easy so layup. So one of two things is happening it. here. Either they are confused as to who the most popular crypto podcast is or they were just lying about it being taken down. So no okay. game. Or they're probably – they could be just judging most popular by arbitrary measures like downloads or listeners. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we all know – those could be inflated. Hey, if you're interested in All this right, so podcast, please write a review for us. Download, please, please. <laughs> what's the actual story, Brent? So this is the off-the-chain podcast. Interestingly enough, I know this guy as a Twitter personality. I did not know he had a podcast, and now he's the most popular podcaster. I somehow missed that along the way. No, no, yeah. Uh, so he he's actually great to follow on Twitter. He has a lot of great stuff that he posts. Um, Off the Chain Podcast is hosted by Anthony Pompliano, uh, also known as Pomp. Uh, What exactly happened? Why did it get taken down? Not really sure. The the podcast came down after they posted the episode, The Ultimate Bitcoin Argument, and it did shoot up in popularity. It's very possible that Apple has algorithms to stop podcasts that have exponential growth because it's probably like fake, right? So, Pump and dump. Uh, yeah, like you can do that. You can go on Fiverr and pay $5 for 5,000 views or whatever. Or listens. Um, so it 
it came down, but then it was back up within at least 24 hours. It, it, actually, it was 22. He posted back on Twitter <laughs> 22 hours later that it was that it was back up. Um, so it may have been sooner than it that. It could have even been up before he's able to post that even. Yeah. like It was not Nothing in Apple would else. move this fast. This seems like it had to be automatically generated back. Yes, it was clearly automatic, and it was clearly very quickly taken away. I, look, I, I do like this guy, but these censorship cries and all that are a little bit little bit premature. I am going to go with, I mean, whatever. Like, the title is technically correct, but what it's trying to invoke is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it's not censorship if he was taken down for four, for 24 hours. Yes. That's not, that's not what censorship is. If you, then Anybody complaining about that is actually inadvertently downplaying true censorship. Because if you're saying, oh, my account got taken down for 24 hours, I had a slight inconvenience. If you're comparing that with censorship of, of opinion, then you're definitely downplaying true censorship. Yes. So, it did happen. Centralized services are all going to have things that we get shut off on Twitter all the time. Like if I go on Twitter and follow too many people one day, it's just like, nah, change your password. (laughs) And that's going to be the problem with automated systems going forward, right? Is that they, we are creating the game inside the automation. So we're always testing the boundaries and they have to put restrictions in for, for what are likely valid reasons. And all the other people are inside there testing the limits. Like we're going to have these types of problems very continuously, probably for the rest of time. Yep. All right. So with that brand, by the way, so that means the final ruling was bullish and bullshit sort of, sort of both. I'm going more on more bullshit. Like I think that the title was misleading and, uh, while an event occurred, I do not believe that Apple shuts down the most popular crypto podcast without warning after it shot up in popularity and was ranked number Apple four in the U.S. Crypto. investing category is correct. Brett, I feel like you would be putting this exact title out there if this happened to <laughs> yes, us. Yes, I would be milking the <laughs> shit out of this if it happened to us. Nah, look, don't get me wrong. Just because so, I think that the, the I think that it didn't occur that way doesn't mean I'm not going to do the same shit. But when somebody else is doing it, I'm going to tell you it's bullshit. You know what? I'm actually going to I'm gonna change my stance. Like, I think this should be a bullish situation. No. This, this is like... Well, it's a, what kind of mental gymnast? So let me just get clear what just happened. But, all right. Censorship Mike, is you, not you, in the phrase. Hold on, hold on a second. This is what just happened. Yeah. You just explained why it's bullshit. Brent confirmed, yes, that's right. Then you called out Brent and said, however, you would probably milk this. And Brent's like, yeah, it's true. And you're like, you know what? Never mind. Well, it's yeah, censorship. Because I, because <laughs> it, part of it was that if the title of this involved censorship, I'd be on board with this argument. Uh, the title of the actual, uh, the actual, like if you click the article, so the t- that was the Reddit title, which is how I found it. Then if you go to the next thing, it says Apple blackballs wildly popular crypto podcast off the chain without warning all right all right i retract my statement okay this title that i saw you retract your retract i thought was part of the article if this was the title it would have been very acceptable to me most likely unless i change my mind all right the final results are in after scientific scrutiny that was bullshit bullshit title so instead i want to focus on a less controversial topic eos brent (laughs) I hear that it's not even a blockchain. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the bullish or bullshit on EOS. Where are we at, boys? No, like, so EOS, there, there is a company that decided to research EOS and kind of like really get into the nitty gritty on what's going on. 
Not just like somebody looked at it and made a conclusion. There was research conducted by a firm called White Block, which was commissioned by Consensus, which I'm sure you've heard of. They run like the biggest crypto conference and some people have issues with them, some people don't. But this isn't just some like keyboard warrior going on Reddit, getting a bunch of upvotes saying EOS is bad, which would also be fine with me. But that's not what this is. White Block actually went and created a replica of the EOS blockchain, and they've been running the replica since September. And they decided to look into it and decide some things about what that means for the EOS ecosystem. So a quote from what their conclusion was is, the firm describes EOS as more of a network that provides promises for computational resources stored in a black box for users to access. Even more damning, it says that the entire EOS system is built on a flawed centralized model. Um, they they also claim that it's not cryptographically secure. And and you know what? They're, when I thought about that, I was right. Because it stores all the data in something that Dan Larimer designed called a chain base. So it's not cryptographically secured there. Now, eventually, it does get that way kind of on the blockchain. But the, the block producers are able to move funds if they want to. And they're able to change transactions. So it's not immutable and it's not trustless. So I don't even know, like, if he's if they're what they're articulating here is that it's not philosophically a blockchain because obviously, like, it's using that technology. But they think that whatever is the definition of blockchain doesn't apply here because it's more of a database. Which you know, I can't, I can't really argue with them. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, interesting. I mean, at least it's properly researched, but we've uh, seen similar problems with EOS and. From the very beginning, right, Brent, like the, the flag has always been, it's all centralized. There's no open source. There's no, I don't know. It just every time it seems that new information comes out of EOS, it's not good. It is not good ever. Like, I don't know. We've been right. We rag on EOS all the time. And they haven't done anything that's ever showed me like that they deserved what the, what they got. They, I mean, they deserved it from the standpoint of people gave it to them, but they didn't. You know, give give that money to Decentraland so they can make a game. I wonder if this white block place is looking for interns. Like, that seems like a fun job to volunteer for, just like helping. I think they want people who understand how to look at code. I mean, I would love to walk in there and be like, yeah, but they need guys to get their coffee too, right? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you guys do all day? Play Pokemon Go? (laughs) Anybody get Clash Royale in here? Uh, All right, so... I think uh, maybe we want to get to some rents. Although, Mike, I don't know. You have anything else on EOS besides this firm? You know, the thing about it is, like, I, I don't know what is the difference between a data, database and a blockchain. Like, that's that's above my pay grade. But this is, like, part of what I was just getting into earlier is with the institutional monies. Because of the amount of monies at stake, this is the type of research they're doing. Like, we are small players. And this is, we do the type of research we want to do for our stakes, Right. But when the stakes get high and we're talking about, you know, eight figures, nine figures, just incredible sums of money. Well, I don't know what they're paying for this, but I guarantee it's a small percentage of what they're interested in investing in. So the the types of movements are going to be so much more calculated and different than a lot of the people in the crypto space expect because we're able to move fast because the stakes are not as extreme. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, All right. So we are going to move on to the rant slash crypto around the world section. Oh, it wasn't the rant section. It was just there was a rant in there. So I, it was crypto empty rants. <laughs> I deleted it. Oh, empty rants. Okay. So we're going to do crypto around the world. 
the elections just happened and Brent, you have this in the crypto section, not in the rant section. So I'm now more interested. Talk the to around me. the world section. I have it in the crypto around the world section, Kareem. This was for you. This is the U.S. elections, which I thought you would agree needs to be placed in crypto around the world, right? <laughs> if it involves crypto, we're talking it about is the two world, different right? states. In fact, in the crypto around the world section here. Ooh. All right, that's okay. pretty international. So, two crypto-friendly politicians were just elected in the United States. Very crypto-friendly. Uh, Calif- the California Democrat Gavin Newsom that was elected in a pretty divisive victory for what happened on the election night. Uh, most of the contests were were uh, very, very close. Very, almost, like, statistically too close. And it just made me sad for the future of the country. But... This one wasn't. So this guy got 57% of his votes. He, for a long time, starting in 2014, was accepting Bitcoin for campaign donations. He's no longer accepting it because I guess there's some issues with them taking Bitcoin for campaign donations. Um, yeah, they probably don't know how to tax it. Yeah, it, I think it was like people thought it was like money laundering or whatever shady. They don't realize like Bitcoin is <laughs> like easily trackable. Nobody was taking Monero. Like they were, they were taking Bitcoin. So... This is exactly what we want. We want people taking Bitcoin for campaign donations so we can see what happens with it once they take it. But uh, I digress. Uh, he, he can't accept it any longer, but he, he was elected. The second uh, – I just screwed that up. The second crypto-friendly person was Jared Polis. He won in Colorado. Now, the first thing I'll say is, Mike, these are your two favorite places, uh, California and Colorado <laughs> apparently, because he, he made a Facebook post that was just like, move to Colorado and California. But he, Jared Polis is the first openly gay governor, and uh, he had an entire, he has an entire portion of his website dedicated to his uh, policies on blockchain. He is very that's awesome. crypto friendly. So um, he was, he was also elected. I, what that means for crypto, probably nothing, but it's interesting to see that happen. So, well, it might not mean anything immediate, but maybe the elections don't mean anything to crypto, but they can be used as an indicator of the fact that. It's becoming politically relevant that people who are actually politically competitive think it's important to address cryptocurrency. So it is an indicator. And, you know, it's right up there with Common Core as like a big campaign thing that you can run on, right? It's coming. You know, that was, I, we, we can get a little ranty because it's US elections. I remember seeing a person, or like, I, I saw like a debate or something. And one of the important questions was, what is your stance on Common Core mathematics? And it, it was like, we're taking political stances on common core math like i actually okay i have a child so i can actually interject here i i haven't fully been involved in this yet because it's just starting to pop up but there's a lot of discussion about the way the public schools are teaching math in a very specific way and criticizing um the students for just getting the right answer with a different path. So there, there's this big situation in, in, in the math studies about the styles of teaching, the way that the teachers are teaching it. And, you know, at the end of the day, what is correct and what is incorrect. Yeah. And probably what's required and what's not required, you know, the best math teacher that I ever had in, in school, his name was Mr. Conover. And what he would do, he was basically our statistics class. He would teach. We had an hour and a half class. We had block scheduling. He would teach for 15 minutes at the beginning of the class. His class had no tests. He had no quizzes. He had no homework. And what he would do is he would teach a concept and he would tell you, okay, go do that concept. 
And then he would individually walk around to the small groups that would form that were doing the concepts and just like talk to you about it and see if you understood it. And he would grade you based on the fact that you did that. And I learned more in that class than any other class. And I feel like if somebody was telling him how he needed to teach, they would tell him that was the stupidest thing they'd ever seen. Probably. So, you know what? Let teachers let teachers teach. Common Core makes sense <laughs> to me. I've been doing things. I, nobody ever taught me Common Core, but I do things that way in my head. Like when I'm trying to do big number math, like that is exactly how I do it. So it makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's probably what a lot of these political debates are about when it comes to stuff like uh, education. But it's good to see that crypto is getting on the agenda, that it's being addressed. And um, we'll see it become a, a political hot button, I'm sure, in the near future, but probably not quite yet. Uh, Mike, I have a question for you. <laughs> have you ever been caught at work mining Bitcoin or Ethereum? Uh, not yet. <laughs> Do you know of anybody? Pe- uh, <laughs> the, the Before we was- transition to this, I started to read this under the crypto around the world and said Chinese school principals caught. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. What's this going to be? <laughs> yeah, actually, us, uh, you know what? From the first half of that title, the fact that they were mining Ethereum at work as the as the verb in this like concept, I, I, I'm okay with that. That's actually not yeah, that bad. Yeah, it could have been worse. Could have been way worse. So uh, it's from a Hong Kong news outlet, and uh, this happened at a middle school in the Hunan province and province. Uh, or province. I'm sorry, but um, it's interesting that word I've always known was Chinese, and it's like Hunan beef is like a is a type of dish. But I didn't know. I, I just thought it was like a type of. I didn't know it was an actual place in China. I didn't know it was like a location, like Texas Roadhouse or something. <laughs> Anywho, so the the general manager for the school noticed the energy spikes that were going on, and the electricity bill was slowly increasing <laughs> month after month. I love this already. <laughs> I love this. I love this story. And it's easy to blame the old and overused air conditioning units that were are in this middle school. That seems kind of practical, right? So they also noticed over time the computers were making a lot of noise, and the <laughs> school's IT network. Slowly sh- slowed down and starting to become like much slower over time. So from July to November, the electricity usage, the bill doubled over that time. So at some point, they're gonna they're gonna have to look around and be like, okay, something's not right here. Brent, if you want to read the names, the, of these- the increased energy consumption was uh, inversely. It was just matching the uh, decline in price of Ethereum. It was like, <laughs> well, Ethereum goes down, price goes up. They <laughs> got to mine a little more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like honestly, they might. This might have been like borrowed money, and they were like, "Oh, we'll make free Ethereum, and then we'll make we'll be rich." But suddenly, that's like, oh, that's not as easy as it looked. Uh, I, I, so I, the, the names of the two are. I'm going to go with uh, Lei Hua and Wang Xipeng. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I don't know. Wang Xipeng uh, was a funny name to me. But anywho, they ended up installing around $7,000 worth of com- computer equipment in this place. And over this time, the school estimated to lose around 250,000 yen, a quarter of a million yen. Brett, I want you to estimate about how much that is in U.S. dollars. I have no idea how much it is. I yes. don't know what the conversion rate is at all. That's I, what I was hoping. I, I, I should have no – Kareem, do you know what the conversion rate is? No, I have no clue. We would Take have a to guess. guess. It would be fun. God. All right. 
I mean, I'm going to sound so stupid with. Con- I literally have never looked all right, at well, what let's the. Just, let's just take a guess. How much electricity this cost them? Um, um, and I'm going to say that it cost them that this is like 5K. Uh, I'd take the over, but like, how long was this over? From July to November? Eh, Correct. Get like $12,000, I guess. All right. What's the conversion? Uh, Kareem was closer. Uh, it ended, and it's about 2K. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the conversion was 113 point something yeah, to one. Yeah, <laughs> So they ended up spending about 2K worth of electricity over this time. And uh, the principal gets fired, but the VP got a warning. I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm, I'm sure he was the one pulling the, the strings in the plot. <laughs> well, the principal lost his honor, Mike. Continue. <laughs> but this brings up such an interesting question, right? Like, at no job have employees ever been told, like, hey, you just can't just steal the electricity. It's assumed, right? That's <laughs> like when electricity was becoming popular, it was assumed that you just like don't steal it, right? But now electronical devices are becoming so popular. Hey, I, I could totally see that as a low key thing. I mean, just like, just use the implication, <laughs> walk up to your boss with like <laughs> the charger, phone charger in your hand, but don't mention the phone charger. Just have it in your hand and be like, hey, like, it's cool if I use electricity at work or anything like that, right? <laughs> and your boss is like, yeah. And you're like, okay. And then you go back to your desk and you set up <laughs> a mining equipment. And then when they come up to you, they're like, no, I totally. I went straight to. That's the first thing I asked. Is is it cool <laughs> if I use electricity yeah, they, at work? Uh, unfortunately, uh, they were only playing checkers here. They they needed to be playing chess. Yeah. Oh man, you got a little bonus coverage for there, Mike? Yeah, I thought this was interesting. So the article uh, covered a few bonus stories that kind of were related, and it, what caught my attention was there was a Florida man. Of course, and, there was. Oh god, Florida Florida man's a running joke in the state of Florida, where like oh, it's in the in world. The world well, in the world, yeah, Mike, everybody it, knows Florida man. Right, is guys, I, I Florida only live man in is. Florida. I can't speak for the whole world. I'm only speaking for myself, okay? Well, we're just letting you know that this I is a thing. I, they I know. Everyone in the world thing. knows how fucking Everyone stupid knows. we are. All right, all right. What do you guys think it is then? Just so you can sum it up for the listeners. Florida man? Yeah, like how how does that concept like something somebody did something ridiculously stupid. Like you wake up and you hear a story about a guy who was riding a lawnmower through the freeway with a shotgun shooting it up in the air while taking sh- fireball shots. It was probably Florida. Yeah, like you yes. know before they say it that it's going to be a Florida man. Love Line, the radio show back in the day with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew used to have a game called Germany or Florida, and they would just read something really <laughs> fucked up that happened, like somebody ate somebody or something, and then the game was like, did it, was it a German person or a, Flor- a Florida guy? <laughs> That's amazing. So there was a Florida man uh, who worked for Florida's Department of Citrus that was using the computers at work to mine crypto, and he he got caught doing that. Um, The Louisiana Attorney General ended up having to investigate his entire staff at his office for (laughs) using all the computer equipment to mine Bitcoin or some form of uh, cryptocurrency. And then I actually – I'm interested, like, I don't know these titles exactly what they mean, so I'm curious what this is exactly. But it said a former employee of the Federal Reserve Board of Directors was fined $5,000 being caught mining Bitcoin on a server owned by the U.S. government, by by the U.S. Central Bank. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that is a great troll. (laughs) I am going to mine. I don't think that was a troll, Brent. Yeah, exactly. With the central bank, they have to punish that. He literally installed the virus in the central bank. That's amazing. Let me get that straight. You're 
your boss is a central bank and you plan on using his computer to mine Bitcoin? Okay. That'll be $5,000, please. Cheers. <laughs> All right. And we got a mailbag question this week, gentlemen. Yeah. Crit basic. Flags your Friday. You listen to the mailbag drop where we break down a member's thoughts. Just starting crypto, don't you stop. Keep listening till you hit the spot. Woo! I haven't read this, but the Lummy question Flux. goes... It's from it Lummy Flux. I didn't uh, put that in there. Oh, this is from Lummy Flux. Well, why didn't you we, say I so, I think Brent? we missed this last week, right? Yeah, and then Moderator, ex- Moderator extraordinaire asking the good questions. People even said those are the good questions. So here's the question. Now that y'all been in the industry for a while, <laughs> chuckles, which is the most important factor to you personally? Governance, decentralization, immutability, security, distribution, number of nodes, network incentives, something like this, or Brent, is it cookies? Uh, If there was a way to put cookies on the blockchain, oh boy, that would be exciting. With grandma's secret recipe. (laughs) Current usability is also on the list. So my guess is the implication here is he's talking about when picking projects, I guess, what is your number one or what well, is... I think he's just saying our, our views on personal. the industry. Like, what is the most important thing when you're checking out a project? What excites you? I'll, I'll start. I, decentralization is obviously... Like, that's obviously my number one thing that I'm interested to see. So, the more decentralization in a project, the more excited I am in that project. I realize that that is a fringe uh, thought sometimes with a lot of these projects having mm-hmm. uh, centralized reasons for existing and centralized ways that they do things. But I believe that that is the part that re- that is going to help change the future. A lot of those other things are very important. I don't want to uh, yeah. say that they're not. But decentralization, especially decentralized governance, is the most important thing to me. Yeah. So I think I'm going to back you up on this one, Brent. I There's a lot of different things that are important from security, immutability. All of this also rests on the technology. So it's important to to kind of mention like, yeah, decentralization, but oftentimes how properly decentralized it is is dependent on the technology. But all that aside, yeah, I think personally, I worry that technology has improved a lot of things, but it's also made it easier to centralize power and that we see more monopolies and more centralized power from governments and corporations and things like that. So I do hope that really strongly that cryptocurrency can create a a force of decentralization in our societies because I think it's really, really, really needed. So I'm with Brent. That's my number one concern right now. Uh, I wish I could go on a different one, but I can't. Unfortunately, uh, to me, the the decentralization is the most important part because it's the one thing that allows there to be trust. And to me, trust is like the number one utility between anybody. When trust is broken, decentralization, it, it no longer exists, right? So then you are you are relying too much on centralized entities. And when you place too much trust in a centralized entity, they can often present themselves with a situation where the incentives do not align with yours and it's correct for them to choose a decision that doesn't benefit you. And when there's a decentralized model, you either have the ability to have the checks and balances already in place, or you just have the ability to trust that the system is going to work in the way that it's meant to more often than not. 
All right, let me. So decentralization across the board, that's where the crypto podcast has their hearts. Now, before I sign this off, guys, is there anything you want to say? Any parting words? Any parting topics? Or nope. No, I think we 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 ranted, or we didn't we didn't rant. We could rant if you wanted. Like, I don't know. We didn't do that. Do you want to like? Uh... <laughs> I'm asking you to make up no, a rant. <laughs> well, listen, we we might have to protest today, so that's an interesting rant. Yeah, but that, I don't know if that's something that I'm gonna leave it at that. All right. <laughs> Decentralization is very important for all of us. Get some decentralization in the country. I guess that's what we could say. So just a reminder, by the way, the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They are just a bunch of guys talking crypto. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. So with the Crypto Basic Podcast, my name is Kareem. I was here with Brent Philbin, Michael Aki. Have a nice day. Peace out.